You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. Do you remember that time where I enter in the second act and I have, uh, 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 as, as, as Roma, I have a string of six expletives. They're all the same. They begin with F and they end with K. And I have yeah. to say it six times in a row. And I got through three of them and then some guy from the third row goes, language? And I thought, I, remember that. I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, geez, I'm in trouble. I got three more fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love those events. I mean, I bet that that for me is, is, it's what I miss more than anything right now is the experience of being with an audience. That's Liev Schreiber reminiscing with me about the time we acted together on stage in the David Mamet play, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. We remembered the fun we had playing opposite each other moment to moment in front of a live audience. And those uncomfortable moments when you can't remember what comes next, which is called in the trade, going up. Hello, Liev. I'm so glad to see you again. <laughs> and I'm I've happy missed to you. see you. I've missed you too. I want to see you. I'm, I hopefully we'll be uh, seeing each other soon. I'm all set in case you need me to play the, the psychiatrist again. Yes. I got my horn room glasses. Yes, I need, in, and um, I and I know all my lines, both and in real want, life and on Ray Donovan. I need you to play the psychiatrist. <laughs> well, I I've been practicing my lines. They're always the same. I always say, "You want to talk about that." <laughs> I'm sorry. So I'm I'm okay with that now. I got that okay, down. Good, good. I'll try and keep them in that vein. <laughs> you seem to have this uncanny ability to think of an approach and then do it. Hmm. And that's that's different from me. I have to find it in a way through improvisation or by doing it many times. I, I think you're giving me more credit than I deserve. I. What do you mean I, I think about a, a... I don't know. I get the idea that you... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I've gotten the impression that you read the play over and over and you keep thinking about what it means and what's going on in the scene and who you are, and then you get up and do it. Hmm. Is that... Am I wrong about that? No, I, I see your point. I... Um... I, you know, first of all, I think I talk too much, so maybe I give people the impression that I think about things more than I do. But I think probably what I learned from Shakespeare is that, um, for me, 
structure and formality and boundaries promote freedom and improv. Mm. I think it's something like music in that the more I've rehearsed the lines, the more uh, they become innate, uh, the freer I am with them once I'm working with another person. And I like, like practicing the notes on a scale. It's like you can't really improvise until you know every note in that scale. So I think that for me, that, that process of memorization uh, gives me a confidence that I cannot think about it when I'm looking at what's important, which is the other person. You know, that, that's probably what's different between the two of us. For, as a young man, I learned so rapidly that I only had to read it from the book a couple of times with the other actor. Then I could put the book down and play the scene. Yeah, really? Yeah. So and you- I would find by playing it over and over again, I'd find out how I was saying the lines. Right. Yeah. So you actually have really quick recall. Like I you- did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned yeah. how young I was. Yeah. Well, so it makes it harder now because I still rely on finding it in the doing of it. But I, th- I think I drove you crazy when we were doing the rehearsals for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, because I would get up to play the scene, but I didn't have it in my head. Right. I was trying to remember it while we were doing it. Yeah. You know, I, that's not my memory of it. Um, my memory of it was it was incredibly athletic. That ensemble is, is the closest I've ever come to being on a, on a team. Um, mm. And it kind of felt like a volleyball team, like, like we were all bumping the ball up in the air for the other guy. And I think that's what made that production memorable for me, m- made it work, is that these were, you know, such a facile, quick group of actors. And you in particular... I just would never take my eyes off you because you had this, I, you know, even when you were going up, it was fascinating to me. <laughs> and, and to be honest. I have, a, I have a knack for going up in a great way. But that's when it gets exciting. That's my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the theatrical experience. You know, I have the same thing. I love it when the other actor forgets to come on stage. <laughs> I love it. Now, now the play is all mine. Yeah, I ha- I'm the only one who can talk. How much material I, have you got? I, I can go on for a half an hour while somebody <laughs> knocks on his dressing room door. Improvising Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Reiner could do that. That's right. You know, we worked together so closely on that play, and I just remember how much fun it was to look for the cues, because I knew that, that um, I don't know, you just, you know, when you work with somebody that long, and we were working on that play a long time, you start to recognize uh, the act of creation, what it does to the face, what it does to the eyes, what it does to the body. And I knew, and it wasn't because you were going up, it was because I think you, like me, want to reinvent it every night. Exactly. And so, so, so you're getting a different performance every time from the other right. person. And that's right. And then the other person reacts to that different performance differently, and then you react to that differently. And it, it's, it, keeps you, it keeps you alive. It keeps you awake. It keeps you on your toes. And it keeps the thing you're doing vital. And I think the audience 
um, they can feel that. They can feel that there's a, there's a truthful energy exchange going on between the two actors, which it, as the characters they're playing, they're also, as actors, engaging as human beings, engaging yeah. with each other in an, in an absolutely essential way. And I think people can feel that. I think so, too. I think that's the way you avoid that sound of rehearsed dialogue, mm. the sound of acting, yeah. where people say something the way they think it ought to be said, and the other person responds in the way they think it ought to be said, yeah. instead of responding to what has actually just happened. Exactly, yeah. Being on top of one another, being in touch with one another. But when you do go up and there's no help, when you do forget your lines and there's nobody to help you out, it's awful. I was I was doing a play in London, yeah. uh, our town, and I was the uh, stage manager who almost for the entire play oh, God. talks to the audience. He doesn't have yeah. anybody else to relate to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the matinee one day and I hear... I'm talking to the audience, and it's going okay. Huh. I hear this voice coming from the back of my head, and it says, what makes you think you'll remember the next line? <laughs> yeah. And I immediately felt of sweat dripping down my body, yeah. you know, <laughs> Yeah. Within, within an instant. So I get the line out, and then the voice says, yeah, you got that line. What makes you think you'll remember the next one? It you, went on like that. you got to get rid of that voice. <laughs> I got to Do you remember it. that time where I enter in the second act, and I have, uh, 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 as, as, as Roma, I have a string of six expletives. They're all the same. They begin with F, and they end with K. And I have yeah. to say it six times in a row. And I got through three of them. And then some guy from the third row goes, language? And I thought- I remember that. I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, geez, I'm in trouble. I got three more fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, he was not only a prude, he was a drunk prude. Yes, he was. That's right. Uh, I, I saw, I remember seeing his wife beating on his shoulder. <laughs> but those are the, th I love those events. I mean, I bet that, that for me is, is, it's what I miss more than anything right now is, and I think not just from the pandemic, but from being, from doing television and film for so long, I really miss audiences. I really miss the experience yeah. of being with an I audience. I do too. There's something, something indescribable. A lot of people think it's, you want to hear the laughter or the applause I do want to hear the laughter. And as a matter of fact, I kind of like the applause, too. Yeah, doesn't hurt. Yeah. I think now maybe I know what you were talking about earlier when you said that I had the ability to think about something and then execute it. You know, I was always a big fan of Brecht. The idea that um, particularly in Shakespeare and in soliloquy, that his notion that an actor was at any given point three things. First, they were the character that they had been contracted to play. Second, they were a professional actor who had been contracted to play that part. And third, they're a member of a socio-political society. And that all of those three things w are functioning in performance at any given moment. 
I love that idea because particularly in Shakespeare, for me, when, when you're in soliloquy, and for instance, um, uh, you're, you're, you're doing Hamlet and you're looking out at the audience and you're asking the existential question, um, if all of those three things exist, does it matter that you're not Hamlet? If the play is good enough, if your performance is good enough, and that's part of what I love about the theater is that suspension of disbelief that is a kind of a shared social experiment that we're all going to suspend belief for a minute. The sets can be cardboard, the sets can be whatever, because yeah. we're going to work on the ideas of this play. We're going to work on the on 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 something specific, and so. I know you're an actor. I know you went up and it's okay, but because mm, mm. what you're articulating is bigger than the event at some level, which is the the experience of the audience and the shared experience of the actors in the audience. Yeah, you are very good at analyzing a play, analyzing a part. Mm. And Thank I you. don't do <laughs> Yeah, and I don't I don't really do that much. Yeah, I do it a lot, but to be honest with you, I I think it's useless. I mean, you know, I do it all. I love to think about things, but the reality is it doesn't happen until you're there. Yeah, well, that's true. It's that's a, true. I think and think and think and think and think. But it's like that thing of doing the scales, you know? For me, that's all it is. It's just, it's just sit-ups. The irony seems to be the less I know, the better off I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, Yo-Yo Ma said that about... Um, there are some questions that, that are just unanswerable, but by attempting them, we, we kind of take, uh, you know, we, 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 we pick away at them in interesting ways. And, then, and that's one of the things I love about acting. It's like, you don't know where you're going. And that's not to say that you're not engaged with what you're saying and being and doing, but there's something else, there's an engine behind it that's very exciting. And I, I thought we had that, Personally, I, I, I thought we had that on in the Mammoth play as well in a really wonderful way. There were some really fun nights. Well, you know, because I wrote it in a book, Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a great experience I had with you doing that play because it reminded me of when I worked with my father. And here you were young enough to be my son, but I remembered you reminded me of working with my father mm-hmm. where while we did the scene— there'd be an extra communication between us in our eyes of, isn't this great? This is going great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember it well, and I was very moved yeah. by that. It's like Because you don't often, you know, actors, they don't really talk to each other. I mean, we do, but you don't, that sort of stuff, you never, you never engage on. Like I didn't talk to you much during Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, because you had got, however you got into the character, you had got into it so well, so deeply, mm-hmm. that that's who I thought you were. And I th- Well, I also I th- had that awful you, you, mustache, which didn't help. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't have minded the mustache. But I, you, you, you were in a world of your own. You, you, I think we all, once in a while, take the part home with us. Yeah. Do, you do, do you do it with Ray Donovan? That would be hard to take home. <sighs> Yeah, I, you know, it was something that I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I never, you know, so I've never really thought of myself as a method person or, or someone who yeah. was a deeply immersive person. I, I always 
I always kind of thought of acting like playing music. Like in that way, I would, mm-hmm. I would connect while I was doing it, and then I would leave it behind me. But when you do a television show for six, five, six months of the year, and you ask of your body in this subconscious way to conjure these feelings, you know, there's, there's a, I, I believe uh, firmly that there's a part of your brain that doesn't know the difference. When you ask mm. it for anger, when you ask it for grief, <clears throat> there's a part of your brain that doesn't know that it's not a, 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 a real. Um, and, and that can be exhausting and that can, that can tax your system. Um, and so I, I think it's important to find ways to engage at the beginning and disengage at the end, um, which I wasn't always good at doing, uh, my kids will tell you. <clears throat> You'd come home and do Ray Donovan. I'd, at yeah, the- I'd come home tough guy, you know, grief-stricken <laughs> tough guy. Like, no, that, that's not really fun, Dad. We wanted to get in the pool. One um, time I had written a part for myself in a movie, and Something happened at a gas station. The guy left the cap off the ga- the gas tank car. My wife drove home with the gas leaking out of the car. Mm-hmm. And the character I had written wouldn't tolerate that. He was, <laughs> And I didn't know that I was carrying him with me when I went back to the gas station attendant oh, and started yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, it, it, I, it, it just overcame me. I didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah. And then I knew I was behaving weirdly when a woman parked in a car a few feet away said, oh, shut up, you smuck. <laughs> smuck. Smuck. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think good actors are impulsive people. It's, a, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's one of their greatest attributes and one of, one of, their, their, one of their pitfalls as well. You got to get used to going with something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What when you when you this all makes me wonder what when you decide to play in a play or a movie or a series what do you think about? Do you think about the part? Do you think about what the play means? Who you're going to work with? What what tends to dominate? All of those things. I think what tends to dominate for me is uh, do I connect with the language first? And usually if I connect with the language, then everything tends to fall in behind that. Um, and by connecting with the language, I think there's, there's, a, um, there's a pure thing about language that I enjoy, but also I think the content and the, the idea. Mm. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I always have big ideas about things when I read them, and they're almost inevitably wrong. Every single play I've ever done, <laughs> I always have some big idea. Oh, Macbeth, he's a, he's a soldier, and this is all about being a soldier. And boom, you get there, and there's the woman playing Lady Macbeth, and you realize it has nothing to do with being a soldier. It has yeah. to be doing, it's a, it's a lovesick teenager, you know, it's like, um, it just, it, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, my process is, um, it's one of the things that I love about acting. It's constantly evolving. It's, uh, it's constantly evolving. It's, 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 it's different every time. Um, but a big part of it is, am I going to be with people who love it as much as I do? Because that's always when it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Like you. 
When we come back from our break, Liev surprises me by confessing he's been stealing from me. Apparently, I had a certain look in my eyes I wasn't even aware of right after this. I want to thank all of you who have signed up to support Clear and Vivid on Patreon. It really helps us to bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people out there. Along with our sponsors, you make Clear and Vivid possible. If you haven't become a patron yet, here's how it works. If you visit patreon.com slash clearandvivid, you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month to get advanced news about coming shows and get listed on our virtual wall of generous benefactors, and there's even a modest bit of swag. If you go for a higher level of support, there's a lot of fun stuff coming your way. Videos and audio clips of moments with our guests that were fascinating but didn't make it into the show. Bonus episodes of behind-the-scenes chat as my producer Graham Chet and I put the shows together. Plus, for our top subscribers, a monthly video conference with me. That's been a wonderful experience. I love meeting the thoughtful, engaged people who listen to our podcast. And I'll even record a personalized voicemail message for your mobile phone. If you'd like to know more, just go to patreon.com slash clearandvivid. And remember, you don't have to become a patron to keep listening to the show. You can continue to listen for free. But you can get an awful lot of fun extras if you do become a subscriber. And most importantly, your patronage directly funds our work with the Aldous Center for Communicating Science. So join us at patreon.com slash clearandvivid. That's patreon.com slash clearandvivid. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is Clear and Vivid, and now back to my conversation with Lieb Schreiber. You mentioned Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And I heard once in an interview that you gave, which you were doing in a theater, you wouldn't say the word Macbeth. You kept saying the Scottish play. I know. I was actually, I'm still nervous about having said it just now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if everybody knows about that 
that practice that actors have that they don't say the word Macbeth. All I know about it is that it's considered unlucky to say the word Macbeth in a theater. Yes. Do you know where that came from? How did that develop? Um, Well, first of all, you know, it's a play that deals a lot with the black arts, but I think the story comes from a production in Astor Place at which there was a huge riot and people were killed. Hmm. And so there there became this kind of um, superstition about the play, mentioning the play. Um, uh, but that's 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 the story I know. So I have two questions. Yeah. Do they do this in England too, or is it just America? No, it's England. I think in England they do it. They, and you're it's not supposed to start it here in our Astor Place. I, there you go. You see, this is what I've been hmm. saying all along. We have ownership in that playwright. Wow. So the other question is, are you a superstitious person? Not at all. So what is it with the Macbeth? I don't know. It's just one of the things that you tap into. I, I, it's just a, it's part of the it's part of the ritual of theater, I guess. You know, I used to have terrible, terrible stage fright, and I, I still get it. And uh, I you fi- do? What's it like? Oh, jeez. Come on, you know what it's like. I your, your stomach. Well, I only had it that one time when I couldn't remember my lines. Oh well, yeah, I've, I've had it a bunch. When I was younger, I used to get it really bad. Um, I'm not a very, uh, uh, ironically, I'm not. I'm not a you know real outgoing person, and I and I, I'm generally kind of a shy person. And in the beginning, it was um, really, really nerve wracking. And I I remember I started this ritual where I would. Um, I'd ha- I had a small sip of wine, and my grandfather once told me a story that the reason they called wine spirits was because that when you drank it, you became possessed by the spirits. And I invented this little ritual that to this day I'll do when I do a play. Is I'll have a sip of wine, and I'll imagine being possessed by the spirit of my grandfather uh, and the character. And that way, anything that I screw up is not my fault. It's it's my grandfather <laughs> and this demon I've created to play this role. But one of the things that it did, and it was it just freed me up uh, to uh, to not be self conscious, to not worry um, about what was happening. That it was it wasn't within my control, and it was very useful. I'm so glad to hear you're not superstitious. No. No. no, but but you you get possessed by your grandfather's spirit. I think it's kind of it's it, it's an improvisational spirit. It's like it's anything goes right now. Absolutely anything goes. We're stepping into and when we step on the stage, there's an agreement that is between actors that I had to make with myself, which was that I'm prepared for anything that happens. Including the mistakes, including... 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's the... Boy, without that spirit, you you stay in a shell and you, yeah. you act safely. Yeah. What is it... Do you, do you experience a new thing in the last... I was going to say 20 years, but that, that may go back to the beginning of your career. No, nope. unfortunately not. Actors, actors mutter. They don't even mumble anymore. Yeah. They, they'll play a scene like, you got to give me all your money. Mm-hmm. I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. 
And then they say cut, and the actor says, so where do you want to go to lunch? You want to have some spaghetti? And they talk like a normal person. Right. So what is that? You know, my guess is that it's mimicry, that, you know, uh, in the past 50 years, we've developed a style of naturalism that comes primarily from film and from a few really formidable actors um, uh, that I think people start, they've done such a good job of, uh, of, uh, with naturalism that I think people are now imitating it as naturalism. Uh, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like the way, you know, he's talking like this and as you know, Fredo, as it's like, the mumbling thing was so compelling when he did it that everybody thinks, well, that by mumbling somehow it's real, but <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's just mumbling. I mean, the the idea, I think, along those lines, possibly the idea has grown that if you don't put a lot into it vocally, the real thing that's happening underneath the surface will come out. But there has to be something happening under the surface to come out. Yeah, right, that's right. It, it, that's does, it doesn't make its appearance just because you're muttering. Yeah, as if some sort of deep state of relaxation was was going to get you further when the character may not be in a deep state of relaxation. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm as big a thief as there are. I, I, I believe in stealing everything you see from. Yeah, the, I've heard uh, you say that. Yeah. I, and, and I admire it. Oh, but yeah. what do you mean by that? How do, how do, how can you steal somebody's performance? Oh, well. It's hard to describe, but I would do it to you all the time. Um, what do you mean? Well, when we would work, we uh, you, there's mannerisms and quirks and the ways that uh, an actor will play with timing or inflection that um, uh, are interesting. Um, you know, uh, I'm gonna try to, I'll try to think of a, a, a clear and vivid example, but... Um, there's a number of ways you can approach a pause, right? Approach the mm. moment before you speak, and actors will do it differently. Um, one thing I remember about you when you were playing Shelley Levine is that you had this sort of moment before the pause where you just seemed to be looking into the abyss, where I no longer existed, the audience no longer existed, the play no longer existed, but you were looking into some kind of abyss. And that was different from when you went up, because like when you went up, it was a different look. Your, your eyes would sort of skirt around looking for a handhold. But, but, this, but this thing that you did with Shelley that I've stolen several times, um, particularly on Ray Donovan, where in the moment before speaking, he just goes down the rabbit, the person goes down the rabbit hole. And that's such an interesting idea about what happens to somebody when they're at a loss for words. And that's your personal observation of it. And in seeing it, I understood it and I went, oh, I can use that, that's good. Somebody who overthinks things, goes into this existential crisis in a simple moment, is a really compelling character angle and, and, and you can take that and borrow it. 
And <laughs> that's that's amazing. Do you know what I mean? Does, does <laughs> oh, that make now sense? Now I know what you mean. Yeah, but I don't remember it happening. Well, I'm, you and I are on video right now, so I can show you, but the, your audience won't be able to see. But there was a moment, a couple of moments in the play after Shelley had realized that the floor had dropped out beneath him. Oh yeah, where he would, you would just go kind of before you spoke, and it was as if the brain had stopped connecting to the body that yeah. a subway train could go right in front of his face and he wouldn't notice. Now you make me wonder what I was thinking as I did that. Me too. I, I, don't, I, don't, have any, I don't have any memory. I, I, you know, when I was a, a younger actor, I was so interested in spontaneity mm. that I would, even though I knew my lines in a play, and I almost always knew them perfectly, there would be a moment sometimes when the character was searching for what to say mm. where I deliberately would not know what I was going to say next. And I would have to probably go into that state that you just described where I'm looking over the abyss wondering what's coming out of me next. I'll get, in, tru I'll get in trouble for this, but what? I have done that as well which is you're actually sabotaging the rhythm of the play for a moment because something's happened where it's gone on to autopilot. And I've done this with where I've been with it, where it just feels rehearsed. It's line, line, response, response. Yeah, yeah. And we're not getting anywhere. And the audience is, we're losing it. We're losing the connection. We're losing, they can feel that it's rehearsed. And it's just, then you take that moment where you stop and you forget the line for a second and it creates a tension. And everybody's suddenly alert and, and there. And we're back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the other I had, I, yeah. I had, I did that once, something close to that when I was working. It always disturbs me when I work with an actor who finds a new thing, a new way to play the scene yeah. But they don't find it during the scene. They find it off stage and come in and impose no. it on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's like, here's how I'm going to do it tonight. And then you're wrestling. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's terrible. And so one time this person came in doing that, wouldn't even look at me. <sighs> so I just stood still for a while until she looked at me. Yeah. And then we were back, back playing That's it. it again. Yeah. That's it. This is so much fun to talk to you. Hmm. It reminds me, the, 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 we had a chance on Ray Donovan to sit in our chairs between scenes and have a talk like this. It's really fun when another actor who you, who's really got this stuff can search with you and try to figure out how we all get there. Because I don't think we all really know. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been lucky enough um, early on and throughout my career to just work with extraordinary i've had the opportunity to work with some extraordinary people and and uh that's you know that's the beauty of an ensemble and that's the beauty of of this this gig for me is 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 just is just getting to understand and i think that's why i started in the beginning and i think it's why i still do it just trying to understand yeah i know, know what you mean <clears throat> Well, we got we to gotta end now. Okay. But we always end with seven quick questions. Mm. They're roughly about communicating. Okay. What do you wish you really understood? <sighs> um, 
You know, um, I think I, I, for me, I, I want to say myself in a deeper way, but it's a moving target. And I think that by trying to um, relate to others and have empathy and, and compassion, I think I get closer. It's a, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's a selfish exercise on my part. I, I, I just want, I do want to understand things. I want to understand why I think the way I think, why I do what I do. And I find that the closest I come to those questions are by listening to others. How do you tell someone they have their facts wrong? No, I, I, I really don't have a problem with that when I just tell them they're wrong. It's a clear path. Yeah. All right, what's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? Uh, how do I know you? <laughs> I get that one a lot. I, I think I'm one of those actors that people aren't sure whether or not they went to high school with me or if I'm an actor. I have one of those faces. How do you stop a compulsive talker? Listen. I think Whoa. I think there's a kind of listening. You actually talked about it. When the other actor's not listening, what do you do? You stop and you look at him. Uh, and there's a way to listen that, because most of, you know, people who are just compul talking compulsively, a lot of that's just interference. And I think when they recognize that you're really listening to them, and you're really giving them the attention that they they want. I think you're also you're also in a place where the needless conversation stops. Okay, you're at a dinner party. You're sitting next to someone you don't know. How do you start a real conversation with that other person? You know, I, th this is the most uncomfortable position for me. And I mean, this is you. You've described my ultimate nightmare, which is being at a dinner party and not knowing the person next to me. And my go-to move, as much as I hate it, is usually to say something very inappropriate and see where that lands. <laughs> What's like what? Um, uh, you, you know. Are you, um, are you busy? Are you busy later, honey? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, the, you know, for instance, if there's a, if it's like, I, I'm not sure I should eat this three bean salad. It might repeat on me later and, and <laughs> see, where, see where that goes. I I think you, for me, it's just I want to get out of the formality of the situation, and I, I yeah. want to get into something fun. I, have, I don't have a very good uh, internal uh, sensor in, in, that, in that situation. I tend to say I, the, the first inappropriate thing that comes to my mind. So this sixth question probably is a good one to ask at this point. What gives you confidence? Timing. What does that mean? Um, when things... Uh, you know, you know when it feels right. When you know, for instance, when you're working, you you, you the downbeats happen in the right place, huh. effortlessly, and so too I think in life when you respond as right when you need to. You're there when you need to. The other person is there when you need them at all. It all works as it has a flow to it, and it just it happens in the right way at the right time, and that makes me feel there's something right, something 
Okay, last question. What book changed your life? I know you're going to hate this because I know uh, you're, you're the. I know how you, you you're not big on the Russians, but Anna Karenina was. Uh, uh, I I always was really intimidated by the Russians, and the and then Anna Karenina really got me. Um, it's like something. It's like a, it's almost a 500 page novel, but around page 350, he kills the heroine of the novel. Um, and the way he does it was really remarkable. It was, um, she's just suddenly gone. She crouches over as the train approaches and she's gone. And I thought, well, there's, that's the big existential question. What happens? Well, you're just gone. And um, it was a, it's a oddly, oddly, it was kind of a relief to me. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, is, sorry. Is that how it changed your life? Um, I think I had a little less anxiety about mortality and losing people, mm. um, particularly my grandfather and, um, the idea that I guess I don't believe in the afterlife and that is a comfort to me that to know that it just ends. I heard you talk, I think on one of the shows about when you had the blockage in your gut and you almost died. And one of the things it taught you was, well, that's not such a big deal. <laughs> it's true. You go to sleep and it's over. And there was something yeah. comforting about that for me yeah. in, in Tolstoy's perspective on existentialism. I love it that we end on an existential moment. <laughs> that's great. Liev, it has been so, it's been so much fun talking with you. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Thank you so much for being here. Okay. This has been clear and vivid, at least I hope so. My thanks to the sponsor of this podcast and to all of you who support our show on Patreon. You keep clear and vivid up and running. And after we pay expenses, whatever is left over goes to the Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. So your support is contributing to the better communication of science. We're very grateful. Liev Schreiber has acted in dozens of movies, but he's probably best known for his seven seasons in the title role of the Showtime series Ray Donovan. I've played a psychiatrist in several episodes, and as we said in our conversation, we acted together in the 2005 Broadway production of the David Mamet play Glengarry Glen Ross. Liev got a Tony Award for Best Actor in that play, for which he got a statue. I got a piece of paper saying I was nominated. This episode was edited and produced by our executive producer, Graham Chedd, with help from our associate producer, Gene Chimay. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula, and our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. This was the last in our current season of Clear and Vivid, but don't be scared, we're coming right back. Next week, Graham and I will be taking a look ahead at our next season, which will really be terrific. It kicks off with my old pal, Anthony Fauci. We'll be talking about one of the most amazing stories in modern medicine, and yet it's one you've probably never heard before. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid. And I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. 
Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.